I need adventure and I don't have money. I'll go to cool dot. I can't go to kingdomofloathing.com. Hey everybody, it's Thursday night, actually, and it's time for another episode of the Podcast of Loathing with me, Jake. I mean, Zach. And me, Riff. He means Riff. And me, uh, Hot Stuff. Cool Puzz. Cool Puzz. Hot Stuff, Cool Puzz. That's the Dairy Queen logo. Oh, yeah. That's good. Uh, What is Hot Eats Cool Treats at Dairy Queen Brazier? Right. Yeah. Brazier. Why is... I always... (laughs) I always thought that a brazier was just a type a of restaurant, but type of restaurant, di- yeah, like a Dairy Queen brazier. Okay. I think it's I was a, like, I oh, it's, it's a, a it's, it's a fire pit. That's the category of yeah, I think so too, See, because I, it's where you braise things, right? It's like somebody who braises, like braising is a way of cooking, and so I assumed that brazier was like a ro- you know Kenny Rogers roasters. Oh, it's a roaster. Maybe it depends on where you heard the word first, because I think of it as like a thing you burn incense in, or like. An alternative to a torch, because I'm familiar with it from Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, no, me too, certainly. I um, think of it as a light source. So, yeah. uh, brazier, a portable heater consisting of a pan or stand for holding lighted coals, or North American, a barbecue. Ah, okay. Um, so everybody's so, right. <laughs> I mean, it kind of seems like, okay, burning for solid... Burning, used for burning solid fuel, usually charcoal. Braziers principally provide heat, but may also be used for cooking. Wait. They principally provide heat, but may also be used for cooking? Like fucking everything that is used for cooking? Wait, like, wait, back up. What? This is not. Come on, Wikipedia, well, get so it together. I don't cook eggs on my, like, water heater, right? I don't, okay, I don't fa- cook all right, eggs all right, on fair my, enough. Fair enough. There you go. Okay, right, I see. So you're radiator. saying they're, they're principally used. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, fine. <laughs> fair enough. Like my space, your furnace, my space pan, my space stove. <laughs> your, your space pan. <laughs> um. Anyway, we did a challenge, uh, a challenging path uh, yeah. that we released in, in Kingdom of Loathing. Um, in other news, West of Loathing is on sale for uh, Lunar New Year. Is it is it wrong to refer to it as Chinese New Year? I have no. Does idea. it have to be the Lunar New Year now? It's uh, the did... Lunar New Year sale. I don't know if that means that they're trying to avoid the word Chinese. I mean, China uses the lunar calendar. I was reading about the lunar calendar. It is fucking crazy. Why is that? Uh, well, it. All of the months are shorter and 28 days, right? every once in a while, uh, they just add a second August to the year to catch up <laughs> to with where the sun is. No, like I'm not kidding. Like every X year is an extra is 28 days longer than the previous year. And there are just two Augusts in a row. So like. Huh. Some people, like, if you're a Chinese kid and your birthday is in August, like <gasps> you just get two birthdays. Surely they have like, Surely there out. are traditions that they don't just like, you know, because man, that Cause how, how you, sweet would like, that be? It's like it's, it's not a second cop. It's like not a second August that has a different name, right? It's not like a like being born on a leap day. You only get to separate celebrate your birthday every yeah. ten years. Anyway, I'm curious if any if any of our listeners are are Chinese and know the difference between. I mean, did we have we do we just call it Chinese New Year because we're racist and we think of everything Asian as Chinese, or are there other plate like? Does Japan use the lunar calendar? Not that I'm no aware idea. of. Ooh. Uh, braziers have been recovered from many early archaeolog- archaeological sites, like the Nimrod brazier. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 
Nimrod is when um, Paul, Paul Rudd had those uh, psychic power experiments done on him, <laughs> resulting in a far more intelligent Paul Rudd than we. The but, Paul, I mean, that's the, the Pauls exp- of Nimrod. That's yeah. the explanation for the Paul Rudd that we have is that he was a subject of ge- genetic a genetic mind experiment to uh, produce the best possible actor. <laughs> um, Riff, what have you been up to? Um, Writing jokes. Yeah, writing writing jokes, writing factoids. Some jokemons. Yeah, you had to write. You like, like 30, we were like, hey, what if yeah. what if this boss was just the same guy thirteen times? That would be easier. But then you didn't realize that you had hoisted yourself. <laughs> yep, absolutely hoisted myself. Actually, I I should probably go back. It occurred to I started feeling a little <laughs> a little iffy about one of them. Uh, so I need to go back and uh, change that to something. But. Uh-huh. Probably nobody has seen that one yet. <laughs> Jerry Bradford thinks correctly that all Jews should be killed. Was it something like that? No, nah, it was Jerry Bradford's favorite flavor is ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That Yeah. It amused I think me you're, at you're... the time, but maybe it was late. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, Jerry Bradford's favorite flavor is my butt. I think that would, would that be, be fine. Okay. I think. I mean, I think so. Like, eat my butt seems like a thing that we would say. Kiss my butt is definitely a thing we would say in KOL. Like the KOL, like we would allow the character to say "kiss my butt." We would not have the character say "eat my ass." <laughs> <laughs> I I think we would say "kiss my ass." I think maybe yeah, eat that's true. Is too far. <laughs> well, so also like, I I feel like the phrase to eat one's ass. Like, it has come to just be apparently a commonly accepted sex act for millennials, right? Like, it just means it, you know, like, like, let, uh, allow me to, allow me to be a little blue for a minute. It's, it's equivalent to like eating pussy. Whereas I always, I feel like 15 years ago, if you said eat my ass, you weren't like saying, Hey, perform cunnilingus on, perform analingus on me. You were saying, like something just ridiculous like you know it was just it it wasn't there wasn't the the, entire ass yeah 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 like you think that language has changed the behavior of the modern the the modern millennial sex fiend i I don't know i mean the millennials aren't having sex at all because they never leave the house right they're just uh like what happened there was that was that like exposure overexposure to porn was that I don't know. Just a change in sensibilities. I mean, I'm only really interested in and in talking about the uh, I'm too old to have sex with millennials. It depends on what you consider to be <laughs> a millennial. <laughs> I think like because the because the the generation definitions keep changing, like we're suddenly Gen X, but we are not Gen X. Oh, we're like, definitely Gen X. We're like, we've I, been Gen X yeah. since the beginning. I don't, like, I never, like every time anybody talked about Gen X, it was always people who were like 10 years older than us that were the subjects of that stuff. I, like, my, my knowledge has always been that like we're like the tail end of Gen X. We're like the last four or five years that you can be in and still be called Gen X, but we're still. I mean, because people are starting to describe people who are born in 1980 as millennials. People who grew up with the internet, basically. Yeah. So anyone anyone that was like a teenager in the late nineties is considered a millennial. Yeah, nineteen eighty yeah. seems early, doesn't it? But yeah, I mean 
I if if 1980 is the cutoff for Gen X, then I guess. I mean, I was 19 in 96. I was technically a teenager in the late 90s. Mm, I know, yeah. but I mean, it's just like that's the th- it, it never. You felt... knew a time. You knew a time. You were like well aware. Sure. Of yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I mean, I I like yeah, I get the it. Internet it, the... wasn't really a thing. It was, well, okay, the web was not a thing until I was in college. I don't think that when we were twenty when we were twenty five and the book Generation X was written that anyone would have said that we were Generation X. Really, Generation X was probably written when we were like sixteen, actually. So when did the book Generation X get? <laughs> I mean, it's not like Douglas Copeland gets to decide. Right, but there was also was there also this notion of the generation Y for a while? I mean, dictionary says early sixties to late seventies, I guess, right? Um, yeah, Generation Y. See, th- so there's just no Generation Y at all. Like, there's n- if it's, there is nothing in between Gen X and Millennials, then we are generation. Gen X. If there is there nothing between Baby Boomers and Gen X, because I didn't think of Gen X as being the children of Baby Boomers. I thought of them as being the generation that was younger than Baby Boomers, but not necessarily. What does that the make actual- them like? Does that make m- Millennial grandparents or gr- Grand Boomers? Generation yeah. X disambiguation. A 1965 book on, no, uh, 91 novel. Yeah, so we were 16 when, we were 16 when the book Generation X by Douglas Copeland was written. He was not talking about us. Like, that book was not about our cohort. Well, but you're, the problem is generations aren't 10 years wide, right? Like, sure, I'm not, I'm not like suggesting that they be limited to 10 years wide. I'm just saying, like, I didn't, I, like, I genuinely do not believe that during most of the period of human history where people were talking about Generation X, they considered people our age to be part of Generation X. But I, I don't know. Riff, 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 you say you're Generation X. Anyway, uh, that, what was that question? No question at all. Do you want to answer some Kingdom of Loathing questions? <laughs> oh, oh, it was about millennials eating ass. That was oh, how we right, got on right. this. That's how we got there. <laughs> I mean, if, if if we're not Gen X, then we have to figure out what's between Gen X and Millennials, and I, yeah, sure. and like I'm not aware of there of any distinctions people have been making, like, like there, like what is between Boomers and Gen X, and what's between Gen X and Millennials. And I think maybe there's just not anything. Like I think maybe we're just part of a generation that doesn't necessarily like that doesn't have like a I name. Do- we're the name. Yeah, because generation. it's like, like I, well, I think that there's a lot of instances where that happens right like i think that there was definitely like a period of time in between baby boomers and gen x where like if you were if you were one year old when the first gen x person was born you're not a baby boomer right like if the baby boomers are the children of gen x uh other way around you know what i mean i mean it doesn't matter these aren't these aren't indicators that actually mean anything it's just weird when somebody's like oh yeah you're definitely gen x like "Mm, i don't know I, I think I'm a millennial. Do you? I hate talking on the phone. Okay. I love eating ass. Okay. <laughs> I still think uh, eating ass is really gross. It's the, but like, I feel like the way that, cause like Josh used to like eat my ass as a like kiss my grits, you know, okay. like, you know, a kiss eat, my grits. That's my short <laughs> flow from Alice decides what the, the category of, uh, but it was like that, right? It, there was like not any, there was less sexual insinuation than like suck my dick, right? Which is a thing that like 
I always felt was a way more vulgar thing to say than kiss my ass. And also, but it's not like technically less vulgar than eat my ass now. Right. Well, and kissing, kissing one's ass is way less sexual than it is like suck up to me. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess brown nose, nosing yeah, is just, brown, brown nosing is just like sampling some ass before you eat it. <laughs> like a taste test. <laughs> They give you one of those tiny spoon play tiny spoons. Right, it's like it's like when the waiter waves the cork in front of your nose. <laughs> <of the way. laughs> anyway, uh, should we uh, sh- should we do some questions? Sure, sure. Joshua King writes: There's been discussions about items potentially missed during this year's Crimbo event. Items with the ID of ninety six sixty one through ninety six sixty five have no item that's known to the public yet. Was there anything not discovered in the warehouse during the MIME event? Um, you know what? I I looked into it. Uh, I forgot that we have really good records of everything that gets changed or added. Like that work log is really oh, yeah. comprehensive and I never look at it. Uh, but like, so what happened there was, uh, I had already made the tiny plastics for this year's advent calendar. And then when it came time for Riff to write them, uh, because I hadn't actually tagged the original items to him, he made new ones. Um, and so five of them, I don't remember which five oh. were the original and which five, but the, I just copied the, copied the writing over to the, to the original ones and then, uh, set those items are all now just called reuse me in the item spindler, which we, which we never ever. do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is that we have, uh, I was pretty good about reusing the reused, the things that say reuse me, but every now and then. It would cause a problem because some there, like there would be some piece of one, code that a person would have one of them out there or something like yeah, or, or yeah. it would be referenced somewhere that wasn't yeah causing any problems up to that point, and then as soon as it became public, it became an issue. So I got gun shy. Uh, here's something. Hammered writes. I get dozens of requests from clannies to talk to Madame Zatara about our relationships. That's dozens times three questions every day, which means that, first of all, I'd like to thank whoever made it a week late so that I only had to do this for about a week or so. But Madame will be with us in standard runs for another 34 and a half months. I bet you're sensing where this is heading. An option perhaps to answer all the same, chosen names all the same, assign my most recent response to an individual, group of individuals, or all. I can imagine that if I want this, the leaders of the larger clans must be desperate for it already. Clans can have hundreds of members, many of which can uh, have a desire for a closer relationship with their leader. The leaders may even reciprocate, but they don't necessarily have time to respond to all of these people can you perhaps lend a hand to conscientious clan leaders everywhere and help us respond to our loyal clannies in a timeless fashion can you i had asked for these to be made perma strings and have the forms auto populated with the thing that you yeah and so for. had i and i thought we did he that, did that just... in the session so i see okay yeah, as, long, as long as you're logged in it should be the same but if you're getting if you're logging in and out i, I think this person wants the, the ability to set different well, it would just be pre-populating the forms was what I was suggesting. Right. But what this person is asking for is a, is like custom outfits for them. So, oh, that, geez. which I don't think there's any mechanical need for. Is there like in a given clan? I don't know how much people know about how this stuff works yet, but my understanding is that they figured out some stuff. The specifics don't, don't really know. the specifics don't matter. Like a clan could have the same. Right, like what do you mean? any matching pair is, is the same as any other matching pair. That so a clan true. could just agree on what they were all going to do. Sure. Right, they just have to. Um, so yeah, th- there's no reason for anybody to need multiple sets of answers that they keep. I, I think. Mean, but really, um, this whole thing was just, you're supposed to put your favorite thing in there. And yeah. Then, and then it will match you up with people, that, with other people that... Uh, mm-hmm. 
for whom you're appropriately matched. The dragon says, new clan dungeon? Boy, <laughs> probably not. For not, a, not for a long soon. time. Really. Stop that time rave. Ah, oh, what a what a good name. Stop that. Stop time. that time rave. <laughs> Rip, did you ever go to a timer. time rave? Ave. T- stop that timer avenue is where I'm going to open my. It's going to open my alarm clock store. My alarm clock store. Stop that, Tim. E rave. Oh yeah, yeah. Stopped hat. <laughs> I'm a rave. A stopped hat is right twice a day. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, he writes, uh, what's your favorite familiars? Mm. I don't even, I don't even know what a familiar is. What a familiar is anymore. Like what familiars <laughs> do we even have in this game? It's not like I just spent a bunch of time looking at all of them. Um, I've always really liked the, the Kokobo. Yeah. I like the pygmy bugbear shaman. Remember it being real, real potent at, yeah, for a time. Yeah. Oh, and the OAF I, is pretty funny. I don't have a the lot black of. Black cat uh, is great. I don't have. I think like mechanically, I like the Robo Goose thing because of its because of its very slow duplicating of itself uh, mm. feature. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, I like. I like the crayon kid because that was, uh, it was just interesting. It was like a, a new thing, you know, it was like, let me, let me do some, a different kind of art. Did you actually draw it with a crayon? Yeah. I did it with a crayon and with my left hand to, to make it look more like authentically like a thing a kid drew. And I think it worked pretty well. Um, yeah. Buried Anagram writes, I've read that KOL is intentionally screen reader friendly, which I think is awesome. I don't have a specific question about this, but I would be interested to hear more about it. The process, any challenges involved, anecdotes, etc. Um, I mean, we tend to do like it's easy in general for us to keep KOL screen reader friendly uh, because most of it is just real basic web forms, right? And pretty simply designed web pages. And screeners seem to be very good about being able to yeah. parse. Like, I mean, screen readers are made for like the real web. So they're like pretty on the ball with our like 90s ass web pages. <laughs> Every once in a while, like today, when we do something with like the familiar team selector where it's like, eh, maybe this should actually be a little bit flashy and easier to use. Um, but that is not at all screen reader friendly. So Chris Moyer is in the middle of, uh, making a version of it that's just got some drop downs with the familiars in them, which will also work way better on mobile. Um, it, there are enough people using screen readers that play the game and we are accessible enough to basically everyone that whenever there's something that doesn't work well in a screen reader, they'll, someone will just tell us. And then we like it. I, I like, I like the idea of us being able to provide a sort of like rich, MMO experience to someone who would not be able to play uh, anything past a a mud in terms of uh, its its kind of level of engagement and you know there are more people playing KOL than there are playing most muds and that's I've felt good about being able to like provide community games for people who can't see Um, and and also it's just like once we got in the habit of supporting it like and open a dialogue with the handful of people that we talk to regularly about it like it's just it's pretty easy to do we need to when we're not like just buried under other things uh work on accessibility for west of loading yeah we got to figure that out 
Because the way that it, like, we ended up adding some features that make it harder to do the initial thing that I wanted to do with it, you know, like, but yeah, just like making what was essentially just a text adventure version of West Flothing, like, combat would be pretty tricky, but luckily the combat's really easy. It doesn't really matter. If everything's just a drop down, though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Joy says, what are your thoughts on allowing access to all familiars for this path as opposed to just the ones allowed in standard? So the reason that I didn't want to do that is because I didn't know how balanced it was going to be. And I didn't want to give people who had very, very old item of the month familiar. Like, cause if you, if you are, have been around for a really long time and you've donated a lot, you're going to have like twice as many familiars as somebody who is newish, is newish. Um, and I didn't know how well balanced it was going to be. And so I didn't want to create a situation where it's like some old, very expensive, very hard to get familiar was like indispensable in the path. Uh, when it goes out of standard, you'll be able to use all your familiars. And so then if you still are having fun, wild west, be able to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we did decide to let monsters use all familiars. Um, just for variety. Yeah. How did you decide uh, that setup? Which zones get which got which familiars? I just played through an ascension, and every time I was in a zone, and I noticed that it was just randomly picking familiars. I thought, uh, okay, what is there like a familiar that makes sense with the zone? And so, like, if there was, then I would just like every guy in this zone has one of those familiars, and then I started limiting it. Like, plant monsters have plant familiars. Like, so we. The Mummer's Trunk, part of the design of that item of the month was in support of... Like, we'd been talking about doing a Pokemon path for years and just never really figured out how to do it. Like, we never had a good idea for being able to just, like, fully replace combat without it being just a ton of work. Like, just making an entirely new game. And uh, I had all of us do a lot of really comprehensive tagging of familiars for the mummer's trunk in part. With like so that no guidelines to us. It was like just tag. The everyone just tag familiars, like whatever you think that means, do it. And then we just consolidated all of, all of our tags basically. Yeah. Um, so we ended up with a ton of information, like a ton of differentiating information about individual familiars that I was then able to use to just procedurally figure out what skills they have and how they leveled up and stuff. And it like, it ended up working out remarkably well. Like the fact that like the stab bat gets super high power and low hit points. I'm like, that's exactly, that's what I would have chosen for that. Like, and by and large, like, you know, it's things like if a familiar is like hard or made of rock, then it is more likely to get extra hit points as it levels up rather than extra power or whatever. And then, you know, there was just a bunch of things like that, that, that made it like, a, I was able to just procedurally figure out a fairly, a fairly robust, diverse environment for the things that they do. Uh, that said, I have no idea how well any of the actual skills are balanced against each other, but, uh, we'll see as, as stuff plays. Um, Fire Titan 8 wrote, now that uh, Pocket Familiars is released to the public, are you satisfied with the end result? What would you change with it if you didn't have an impatient player base as a factor? All the best, you hoopy fruits. Um, yeah, the fact that we've never been late with a challenge path is weird. Bizarre. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why that is a deadline that I just will not allow to slip. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know how much more. I mean, partly the overwhelming majority of the work for this path was done in like five days. And partly like, I don't know how much more juice I had in me. Like if we had had another week, I don't know that I would have gotten anything else done on it. Like we could more have dealt testing. with some, we could have dealt with some accessibility issues. Yeah. We could have, we would have maybe done more testing. Um, uh, it's hard to say how I feel about it. Cause I haven't really seen like, you know, nobody's like done a whole run yet. So I don't know how the players feel about it. So we'll see. Um, my worry is that without access to, well, not, I mean, I chose to not give you access to, well, what? Okay. Let me, let me try and actually make a sentence. Uh, I decided not to give you access to perm skills because most of them don't do anything, uh, in the, in this path. And I thought that it would be a more interesting, it, it's weird, like, my intent was to create a more even playing field. Theoretically, this is supposed to be an avatar path. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, my intent was to create a more level playing field, but then people in dev point out that like not allowing people access to perm skills means that you exacerbate the unevenness of the playing field between people who have donated a lot and people who haven't. Right. Because skills kind of mitigate that because everyone can eventually get skills. Mm. Um, and so that kind of sucks, but I also wanted to be able to sell that gear that was real powerful. And like that, just having that in there is a thing that you can buy that makes up for the lack of passive skills and buffs and stuff. The big thing that I'm worried about being a pain point on this is that the inability to use combat skills or combat items means that there is effectively zero Q manipulation, which I don't know how people feel about that. Like we decided to make the leaderboards not turn count in an effort to throw that into a little less sharp relief. But uh, I'm curious. I'm curious how people are going to feel. Joy says, why can't I equip items on my familiars in the new challenge path? Well, uh, because we didn't have uh, having three familiars instead of one familiar makes that a, a more complicated proposition in terms of interface. And man, you know, I never even looked at the UI for feeding stuff to, for feeding those vitamins to your familiars <laughs> that went in, that went in so late. I'm assuming it got tested. I, I, mean, I have literally not loaded that page since, since Chris added the feature I requested. That sucks. Oh, that, that reminds me Were the, were the vitamins, um, intended to be mollable. Oh, huh? Cause there was also a question of whether they should request items. Yeah. Huh? Cause that's going to be, that's gonna make it, things real weird. Well, you can't, it, not really, right? Because you can't ever, like, that's part of the reason. Let's see, who, somebody, somebody wrote this. TechRunner says, what is the rationale behind infinite Ronin in this path? Are you expecting the run to be so long that breaking Ronin could be a valid strategy to reduce day count and place on the leaderboard? Yeah. <laughs> um, partly, like, also the way the leaderboard works, uh, Dev was concerned with people breaking, doing the run fast breaking Ronan just in sort of after core, but still like ascending that, you know, you know what I mean? Like getting like be beating the game, getting ready to ascend and then being able to break Ronan and then get access to after core turn gen and still have a two day run. Hmm. Like, um, 
because if you're not discouraged from spending turns by the leaderboard, then it doesn't matter, right? Like you end up with, you end up with the weird, like not, it's not like turtle core, but it's like, you know, um, so that's why, that's why infinite Ronin, which also stops you from buying stuff from the mall. Right. But you could just pull it. You can pull stuff. Oh, you could buy it and pull it from Hanks. Yeah. That's, that mm. was what I think the concern was. Okay. That is that's weird. A bunch of pulls. That's 20 pulls. Yeah. A day. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's not too late to. No, it's not. Hands. And we probably should. And we, that's what, you know, we reserve the right to change challenge pads and yep. stuff. Um, Ragu Dantula says, can we have the mumming trunk and item the buffs familiars help in some way in this path? I don't think so. I think, um, that is a missed opportunity. Uh, but I don't think I want to mess with familiar equipment being a thing here. It's interesting. Like I was thinking about changing the cake shaped arena to be something that uses this system and in a kind of a, like a Hearthstone dungeon run style thing where like you beat a fight and then you get a choice adventure. It's like, do you want to like, Hey, it's time for this person to level up. Do you want to give them one attack power or one hit point or whatever? Right. And like, it would be interesting if it was like, like if you figured out, like whatever the combination and level of familiars would be an interesting and difficult challenge and then make that make that what Susie's familiars are and you can yeah. just go and try and fight her for some kind of prize. Also it would be not totally crazy to make a PvP version. Hmm. Which I don't know if that would be that fun. fun. Um but Stiffney says, good job. I like the idea of a new combat system to spice things up. I'm also happy that this made normally non-viable familiars potentially viable. Thumbs up. Uh, let's see. Vic- mm. Victocoon. Uh. Hey, I've recently joined KOL and I'm having a blast. The new challenge path just came out and it's actually my first ascension. Ooh. Uh, and I just saw the system message, thought to hop in, but now I'll move on to the questions and comments about the path itself. I was wondering, do stats actually matter at all in this path? Um... Yeah, well, only in the sense that you get quests unlocked as you level, so you still have to level. Uh, does monster level affect encounters in any way? Yeah, uh, it does. It wasn't until middle of the day today, uh, cause there was a thing, there was something missing in there. Uh, but yeah, uh, every 12 monster power adds one level of familiar to their team, I think, and so monster level just raises that bar up um yeah anyway uh joe the saucer says will we be seeing new and exciting things regarding spleen in 2018 to break out of the optimal meta of chowing down on stench jelly until our spleen gives up i mean probably nothing is ever going to be as good as stench jelly which stinks um jelly <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh. francisco says what inspired you to have this path be based around pokemon uh, I felt that we had used up every other idea. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, this is this is we are finally at the base of our uh, Wikipedia standard of of interesting uh, yeah. path ideas. Blade the drunk says, "Are y'all Fredo, Alfredo, Nintendo's lawyers, or nah?" <laughs> I would say nah. 
there's zero chance of anyone believing that this is infringing on Pokemon oh, in any way. Wow. I, my brain was somewhere else, and I was like, kind of a little bit? But that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah only Kevin is very afraid of Nintendo's lawyers right now, but for unrelated reasons. Yeah. <laughs> that we'll tell you about later. <laughs> no, we won't. Um, so somebody else had asked, uh, let's see. Joe the Saucerer writes, does anyone at Asymmetric even like Pokemon, though? Riff <laughs> likes Pokemon. Riff, tell yeah, us about I'm, your relationship with Pokemon. I'm totally into Pokemon. There you go. Oh, that was it? That's, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> a good story. No, well, uh, I I can't. Didn't I, you, if you actually want to hear the story? I came to Pokemon pretty weirdly late, actually. But Didn't you get like a Helix tattoo in the middle of your forehead or something? <laughs> no, on the back of my forehead. <laughs> they had to open okay. it up. Mm. Yeah, it was weird. But I can I can praise him mentally all day. That's good. Isn't that a Twitch plays Pokemon thing? Yes. Yeah that that was I kind see. of what that was the the uh, catalyst that that got me back into uh, Pokemon after a long gap. I was um, watching Twitch plays Pokemon. I I don't uh I I tried playing. Pokemon, like, I tried playing the original Game Boy Pokemon whenever, uh, like, I mean, it was fairly late for me. It was playing it in emulation, so, I mean, it had to have been, like, the late 90s, Hmm. uh, which was fairly late game for that, right? I mean, like, it had become this huge cultural phenomenon, and I wanted to know why, and then when I played it, I was like, wow, this is, like, a more boring jrpg than like dragon warrior one like why is this the most popular thing in the world yeah that it, the first one especially looking at it from now is super rough it, it's it's definitely one of those things where every iteration of it has gotten better was what was the first pokemon creation was it was it cartoon was I it i think it was the game was first yeah it was yeah the game boy jrpg wow okay because i think of this as being far more like like a multimedia franchise well as an anime like juggernaut right is it even anime or is the cartoon american i'm pretty sure the cartoon is japanese okay but is it anime uh i'm not aware of the the japanese having a distinction between different types of animation i think i think all japanese animation is anime as far do you remember as, unless i'm mistaken i which i might do you be. mean all japanimation which uh <laughs> is what it was called when we were in high school what about a uh, flip book made in japan oh is it would uh, huh, i don't know i don't know if there's a tradition of japanese flip books what that about would, be, would they flip it would zoetrope. they flip it the other way <laughs> huh you, yeah i think you might actually no, that wasn't like a. I know. That wasn't like a racist. I know, crack. but I think it was I like I was it. like curious, like. Um, well, yeah, because they do read books back back to front from our perspective. So. Possibly. Could you, could you read the same book at the same time as somebody who's like if 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 the front half was in if the if our our front half was in English and their front half was in Japanese, could you just share a book simultaneously? Uh, I mean, are you like holding the middle pages vertically so that? Yeah, yeah, you're like you're holding it between you're holding it between you and somebody else. Yeah, I guess maybe that would be a weird thing to do. <laughs> I guess, sure. 
Lee Popsicle One says, uh, did the art for Fuzzy Dice and Baby Gravy Fairies never get updated to match newer stuff? The line weights seem out of place compared to the other familiars. Yeah, there's some stuff that is from before. I especially noticed this, like, over the last few days because I was playing through the entire game. Like, stuff in the pirate area, a lot of the line weights are really bad just because that was before I had gotten consistent about how like big I drew things like how big something could be and still like count as an item oh did you draw stuff large and then sometimes I mean like the parrot for instance is Mm. one that's very very because I just had a picture of it that I like oh I really like the way that parrot that I drew turned out but it was just twice as tall as what I would draw an item icon now and so it just ended up like just I mean I think you had thought that they were like drawn with like a blue ballpoint pen or something for a long time because it they looks looked super, different. super different. Yeah. Um, anyway, hand hand writes, I came back from a year and a half hiatus primarily because I bought West of Loathing in December and I loved it so much. Now I'm thoroughly enjoying playing KOL again loads. Now here's my question. When it gets close to the end of the year, do you discuss which things you're glad to see going out of standard? I know you were relieved when Smith's left, but are there any other discussions about how you want the standard environment to be or not to be? I mean, we always talk about like for the last couple of years, it was like, all right, our, our turns for spleen stuff finally out of standard. And it wasn't until this January that they finally were. Um, not, we think about stuff that's leaving standard that we like and think about how we're going to reincorporate that over the coming year. Yeah. It'd be, it's definitely come in handy for me a few times when it's been my turn to think of a item of the month, I can just go, okay, so what do we not have anymore that I can re-implement? Hamfish writes, if West of Loathing had voice actors and you had a budget of infinity, who would you ideally want to voice the partners? Hmm. The partners. Uh, Andy Circus would voice Gary. Gary. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried would voice also Gary. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, Andy, Andy G- Circus G- would do Gary's motion capture. <laughs> yeah, Gary Busey would voice <laughs> Doc Alice. <laughs> Um, um, I bet Sigourney Weaver would be a good doc, doc Alice. Yeah. Um, Pete, I don't know, Brad Dourif. Like, Pete, we didn't really lean into that, like, because there was this kind of original conception of Pete as, like, maybe he get, got spooky sometimes. We never really do yeah, much of that. Not, yeah, not really. He he more gets real bad headaches sometimes. Yeah. But, I mean, he has that, his upgraded, like, combat ability, his eyes go dark and he whispers and does spooky damage. But we never really, like, never really explored that mechanic in the narrative. Um, but that's why I say Brad Dourif about him. I wanted, and I don't know why we didn't, well, I do know why we didn't do this. We didn't end up, and I think this was a good move. I had I had written a draft of a like War Never Changes style oh, right. intro text and I wanted to get Steven Tobolowski to read it which I think would have been in our reach like probably um Steven Tobolowski for those of you who don't know is a is a character actor who you probably recognize as uh Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day the insurance salesman oh, okay. that runs up and is, or the uh, uh watch the, that first step. Yeah, it's the, a the toy designer from sneakers. Right. The my voice my name is Werner oh, Brandes. Yeah, yeah. My voice is my passport. Ah. Verify me. Yeah. Um Also, uh he was Gord's 
uncle in an entirely excised first act of Freddy Got Fingered. Whoa. Wow. Where Freddy is sent to Canada to work in his uncle's pudding factory. And his uncle is Stephen Tobolowsky. And he just doesn't fit in at the pudding factory. Like, this is like wow. just showing how... It's like establishes his character as someone who's just not like he just can't have a regular job. Uh, and there was there was a podcast where Stephen Tobolowsky was being interviewed and he was talking about when he heard that they cut that first whole section of the movie out. He said to himself, oh, my God, this movie is going to be bad now <laughs> because <laughs> it just. <laughs> And I mean, I'm kind of curious, like, uh, you know, because like if a movie is bad from a storytelling point of view, I don't necessarily notice, you know. And so maybe, you know, maybe the reason that people thought that Freddy Got Fingered was the the worst movie ever for so long is because they had not established the character of Freddy's older brother, Gord, uh, and, and what his actual motivation is for it. Like, because it's just like, you know. Because it definitely bears out, like, yeah, this is what hap- would happen to a character who just couldn't actually have a real job. Like, because that's kind of what the thing is about. Yeah. But you, that's what the movie is about. But it never actually shows you until the end when he tries to work regular jobs that he's bad at them, right? The oh, I guess the cheese factory thing happens. Yeah, fairly there's like early. the sandwich factory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The cheese factory and the pudding factory is where it works. It's, ah, God. The other night we were walking downtown, uh, and I once again saw the McCroskey Mattress Company, which continues to be the most like a thing I would make up of any business (laughs) in San Francisco. I love seeing, I just, there's also one down by my house that I see every once in a while when I'm driving. Um, McCroskey. The McCroskey Mattress Factory. Yeah. It's just like, that's exactly like a thing that would we would put in a game. What is that like? Uh, is it like a tile factory or a, or tile? Oh, there's floor flower craft and floor craft yeah. that are right across. To, and then there's that big awning company that I that I made what I thought was a fairly underregarded tweet, uh, which was that since they since they had been there since the '60s, they made the awnings of the Age of Aquarius. Riff, you're supposed to like that. I I, I do get that. That's good. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I think I liked it when you posted it. I don't remember. Okay, good. Anyway, uh, guys, these are the awnings of the age of yes. Aquarius. Come on, <laughs> come on! It's a joke about ha- hair, the musical hair that all the all of us fellow millennials are so familiar with. So, is hair a boomer property? Uh, yeah. Are the baby boomers were baby the baby boomers, boomers also hippies? hippies? Yeah, yeah. yeah? Okay. I mean, not all of them were, but they. <laughs> all, all, Socrates, yeah, was a, Socrates, Socrates was, was a, a terrible golfer. <laughs> yes, exactly. Was, was the greatest generation the generation that precedes the boomers? Um, the greatest that, generation was that like two ours, generations man. back? Yeah, it was the greatest generation the generation that actually fought in World War Two. I thought it was World War One. World War II, so that would probably, there's got to be another generation in there. Yeah. Do you think there's ever been a story about a Mexican guy who just goes crazy and decides to kill everyone on Earth called World War One? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a, a, a good premise for like a really cheap ass, like pulp sci fi novel. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Okay, guys, uh, let's stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> somebody, somebody put a cork in me. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast of loathing, everybody. And, uh, let's, let's try to do this like on a monthly basis. Yeah. So, I mean, somebody, should we just commit to doing it on a monthly basis? I think, and- I think that probably makes sense unless there's a bunch of stuff happening and we should probably update like, uh, the verbiage about the verbiage, it, but... not saying it's a weekly yeah. podcast. Yeah. Cause I think somebody snarkily, snarkily commented on that. And I was like, yeah, actually, you know, that's, it's totally fair. We're, we're, we have not been weekly for a while. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like challenge paths are always right in the middle of the month, Yeah. <laughs> but that would only be every third show would be about a challenge path. So I don't know. I mean, I don't, cause I don't want to say that's monthly ish, but, but then I also don't necessarily want to. It's a loathing. I mean, like loathing stuff yeah. is, is, is sure. a broader story. We'll have stuff to talk about in a month. I that's mean, there will always be a new item of the month every month. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's do it again in a month or so. Okay. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Have, have a great month, everybody. <laughs>